0: Welcome to Agriculture in North Carolina. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. This program is all about our state's largest industry, agriculture. Since we last spoke, we've had some hot summer days and maybe a degree or two cooler for the weekend, but we're back to it this week. The dog days of summer are here. On this episode of Ag at NC, we'll ask an expert about marketing produce, how to get your produce into a small grocery chain, and even how to market Nana's canned chow chow. Mitch Orland is the Senior Vice President of Merchandising and Procurement for Earth EarthFair is an Asheville, North Carolina-based natural foods grocery store that operates 19 locations throughout the East Coast. Coming up in just a moment, Jeff Turner and I will share a few ag headlines that are making news during the slow summer. Jeff Turner is my co-host and the COO of Murphy Family Ventures and member of the North Carolina Board of Agriculture. But first, a kind word from the companies that sponsor the program, Ag Carolina Farm Credit. First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC, And Bill Corone Cars in Wallace. Now the only Chevy GMC dealer in eastern North Carolina to be an AgPAC dealer. Which means any farmer who buys a vehicle at Bill Carone is eligible for more than $30,000 in savings on products you may already use. Everything from tires to crop products. Check out the advantages of the Ag Pack program at Bill Corone Cars in Wallace. You're listening to Ag and NC on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Jeff Turner is a member of the North Carolina Board of Agriculture and COO of Murphy Family Ventures and for our purposes, the co-host on this program. Jeff, how are you? Dan, I'm well. I hope you are. hope you've uh, had a good week and ready to start a new one. I am well. I had a pretty productive couple of days of vacation last week, but I will tell you, it was hot. We had a few days break over the weekend where we are a degree or two cooler, but it looks like this week's going to be warm, too. How does that affect things on the farm?
1: It's rough on crops. It's rough on animals. It's rough on people. Obviously, animals aren't as productive, at least in the pig business. They're not as productive this time of year because of the heat. They don't grow as well because of the heat, but with all that said, that's just the cycle of life. It's, it's always been that way. You know, I saw a graph the other day. The temperatures over the last since the 1800s and the hottest spikes in the temperatures came in the 1930s, considerably higher than they are today. I'm not sure if John Kerry was flying around his private jet back in the 30s, but must have been a lot of carbon somewhere because it
0: was hot. In the, the 1930s, I think, were the early 30s, were the Dust Bowl days. Be interesting to see. I'll share that graph with you sometime. It was amazing to see the spike in the,
1: the highest temperatures were in the 30s, 100 years ago.
0: We have seen warmer temperatures, but we've gotten some rain. So, been sticky afterwards, but you I, I, I haven't seen many wilted crops, have you? it's really been amazing
1: in most areas but there are a good number of areas i'm told that uh missed it uh, they've missed that rain it's dry i mean very dry in a lot of places again it's been spotty it's
0: always spotty but i
1: wish they could get some water in the places they need it
0: farmers have to be more and more consumers of world news we hear that south america corn crop going to get some rain china got a little rain relief for their corn crop but we're all aware of what's going on in the Ukraine, port of Odessa. The Russian grain deal fell apart. It's gotten much worse after the grain deal fell apart. Russia carried out missile strikes probably the majority of nights of the last week. At the agricultural terminal, they destroyed 100 tons of peas, 20 tons of barley, injured two people. Now, the Ukraine says that they've issued a warning on ships heading into the Black Sea. They're regarding them as military vessels. That follows the Russian saying any ship in the Black Sea is going to be considered a military vehicle so now it's something that farmers headline watchers have to be aware of corn prices affected and even pea prices we hear are now affected well they have spiked you know a bit but beyond that Putin
1: this crowd of Russians he's gonna cause some folks to starve not a, it's not gonna be folks in their Ukraine but in other parts of the world that depend on that grain
0: yeah, oh, we're going to eat in the United States. We may have to pay a dollar or two more, but we're going to eat. There are places on the globe, Sudan and so forth, that are just not going to. That's, a factor that's the factor of the fact. flat earth that we live in.
1: Yep, that's the reality. And and it's amazing that I think you'll be brought up for more war crimes.
0: From the, uh, from the world stage to the uh, United States stage, time's running out for a farm bill to get written at least by the end of September when the current one runs out as they... Put together a new five-year deal. According to the Ag Economist Monthly Monitor, the the number of economists that think that a farm bill will be put together by the end of September is zero. The majority don't even think it will be put together by the beginning of next year. House lawmakers had to last Wednesday to file amendments to the uh, Ag Appropriations Bill. Test votes could happen this week. Well, it's a long process.
1: Not unlike the budget in North Carolina we know what date the, the current one ends and when the new one should begin. The same way with the Farm Bill, we know five years hence it ends and a new one should begin. It's kind of like showing up at the Christmas party and saying, I didn't bring a Christmas present because I just didn't have time. We all know that Christmas has always been on the 25th of December. I mean, and we know it every year, right?
0: We can't so, operate unless there's pressure involved. We love a deadline. Yeah, well, we don't respect them, but, yeah, we love a deadline. <laughs> we don't respect them. <laughs> From your mouth to God's ears, that is so true. Jim Wiesmeyer, Washington correspondent for Farm Journal. Jim, when he was on with us, talked about the fact that so much of what is – uh that comes back to the farm is baked in. So not having an ag bill long-term will be a problem, but short-term will not affect too much.
1: Not the end of the world. It's just a matter of, again – what do you do you you throw your hands up and move to the next one i suppose but it's no
0: big deal other than the fact if you're going to do what you say you're going to do you ought to go do it to the state stage southeastern tomato growers are seeing a new strain of bacterial spot in this year's plants growers have to sell the tomatoes and not the leaves and actually some of the treated plants in north carolina tests have actually yielded less than the spot caused on the plant to uh, to yield Florida Extension agents are planting their plants a little bit further apart. They see a lot of advantage in row spacing. I mentioned that. North Carolina Growers Association will conduct their August referendum on continuing a $20 per acre assessment, harvested commercial acres. Funds generated by the assessment would uh, go into research, education, and, of course, to promote Tar Heel tomatoes. Another one of what we mentioned just a couple of weeks ago, these referendums that have to be uh, approved by the associations.
1: Yeah, again, in order to have the marketing dollars available to someone to market the product. you got to have a a checkoff so everyone kind of participates, but you give everybody an opportunity to say, should we keep doing it or not? And and in most cases, the checkoff works fairly well for, for those commodities.
0: You see these things come to the North Carolina Board of Agriculture, and, and that said, you uh, had a meeting a week ago. Anything that was not planned br- brought up that we ought to-
1: no, the, the agenda was pretty short this time, and and uh, but again, we we still try to meet quarterly, and so so it was uh, it was a kind of a a very short short meeting. In fact, uh, less than thirty minutes. So turned out pretty good. I like a short one. <laughs> You get things done.
0: You know, they, yeah. I was on vacation for uh, a little bit of last week, and uh, amazing how productive you are in the last two days before vacation. If You can be like that all the time, man.
1: It's
0: <laughs> hey, uh, oh, yes,
1: that deadline thing, you see.
0: Oh, Exactly. Coming up in just a moment, we'll talk with Mitch Orland from Earth Fair in the western part of our state. Thanks to our friends at the Farmer's Connection. If you've not put a copy in your hand, I highly recommend it. The Farmer's Connection is a newsprint magazine with information and ads about some suppliers and dealers right here in the Carolinas and Southern Virginia. Check out used equipment prices from Mark Chesson & Sons in Williamston, Caps Trailers in Dover, Canansville Equipment, Acock Tractor and Stevens Truck & Tractor in Goldsboro, Robertson Equipment in Colrain, and Premier Equipment in Rocky Mount, Enfield, Washington, and Aden. The Farmer's Connection, online and available at independent farm equipment dealers all over North Carolina. This is Agriculture in North Carolina, sponsored in part by the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to B N C. North Carolina's official business development and marketing program for agriculture. More than agriculture, it's got to bnc NC. Mitch Orland is Senior Vice President Merchandising and Procurement for Earthfair. Earthfair is an organic grocery store chain headquartered in Asheville, North Carolina. Rather than have me complete his resume, Mitch, if you could go ahead and kind of take us from where you were born to how you got to where you
2: are. We're ready. Yep. Fire away. I was born in New York City. My family moved down to Miami when I was 12. My dad had the dream of opening a restaurant. So I started working in the food business at a young age and uh, worked my way up running my own little business to put myself through college called Dr. Bagel at University of Florida. I was a little ahead of my time. From there, I uh, actually went to chef school. Then I had my own restaurant, consulting business, and then I got into natural foods and have worked with a few of the supernaturals. Just came back to Earth Fair with the new owners and super excited about what Earth Fair is doing and where we're going, especially with farmers.
0: Interesting, you note supernaturals. When you say that, you're talking about folks like Wild Oats and Sprouts and Sunflower Market, and, and is that sort of those folks been in yeah. your
2: past? Yeah, Whole Foods. You know, who bought Wild Oats and Sprouts? Who bought Sunflower?
0: Is your path in through a buyer, or was your path in through the stomach? You, you mentioned the Bagel Company. Your dad in, rest, in restaurants. Yeah. So you came in as a as a chef.
2: I did. I actually came in as an assistant food service manager for Wild Oats in 1996.
0: Are the super natural markets different today than they were? I remember I was in Charlottesville, Virginia, and we had a fresh market. Well, I actually, I don't even think it was fresh market, but oh, fresh, fresh fields. Fresh Fields—that's exactly right. Yep. That uh, Whole yeah. Foods bought out. I like that actually better yep. when, when it was Fresh Fields.
2: Most people did.
0: They had a much better loyalty program and a lot of other things. Track the change you've had. I mean, within your career time, how some of these went from just co-ops into large-scale supermarkets.
2: Sure. And, you know, Earth is a great story around that. It was started in 1975 by Roger DeRoe. Then it was called Dinner for the Earth in a 1,200-square-foot building. And, you know, he stayed that way for like 10 years. And then hopefully it started becoming such a big thing and in and then. You know, he went for his first little grocery store in Asheville and turned the name into Earth Fair, which, you know, means fair to the earth. Slowly grew to about 50 stores. And kind of the same, like back in the day, Wild Oats and Whole Foods were
0: competitors
2: and they were equal. And then Whole Foods kind of took over the natural business and bought out Wild Oats. And then Sprouts kind of did the same thing on them more of the farmer's market concept and bought out sunflower and a few other competitors. So they're the major supernatural players. There's a lot of local and regional, I think, are a little more to the roots of where we came from. But it's great to see natural food and healthy food being so popular.
1: So this whole kind of farm-to-table sort of thing is continues to grow, and obviously that's a, another good opportunity for our growers and farmers to – to diversify their incomes and that sort of thing. It appears maybe that's kind of how you got started in all this, and and it's just grown and grown and grown. Are are you getting more and more opportunity with local farmers, for instance, in the western part of the state? Or
2: Yeah, at Earth you know, we were kind of built on produce, so it's really exciting to us to be able to work directly with farmers. Do really well in the western, like you said, Carolinas, and, Monts, uh, which is our, where a lot of our stores are located. And we see, you know, farmers are becoming more educated and know what to bring and, and are just, you know, lear- learning how to be also entrepreneurs, which is, you know, where we're going with the industry. So we love working directly with farmers, and, you know, it's kind of how we started.
0: Well, to Jeff's question, how does a farmer get up with a natural food store or a uh, produce for a grocer without going through a wholesaler?
2: You know, it's not the easiest, but you got to kind of get a a champion within a company to start working with. You know, usually you would start talking to the produce manager in the store that's kind of nearest your farm, and they could connect you with the produce buyers that we have. You know, for a farmer, it's good to have their ducks in a row as far as, you know, the insurance they're going to need, the certificates, and also just knowing their pricing so they make sure they're making some money.
1: Does this grower need to have the so-called USDA-certified organic? Uh,
2: no, no, not at all, especially not for small farmers. You know, obviously it's great if it's local organic, but doesn't have to be. And then kind of local, you know, regional organic is big for us. Obviously, we're 70% or more organic, but we like to fill that other 30% where we can with local. You know, low spray is, is really good, too. We have a lot of apples up here. You know, that we get locally, but they're, you know, no or low spray, but they're not organic certified. So I would suggest people just getting into the business, you know, wait a little on that. It's expensive and just see where they're going. And I would be careful till you get some earth and you know, you're, you're selling.
0: Right. You mentioned insurance and so forth. If somebody makes a prepared food, well, first off, what's it like to be able to get uh, your your food, same situation, maybe not going through produce, but you get a salsa or a jam or something like that, that you want to get into a regional grocery handler?
2: Again, I mean, obviously, they go to our website. They can email us. You know, a good way, again, like having a champion in the store is a great way. So going to the store talking to the grocery manager or wherever that product would live. And a lot of times, then they'll reach out to us at the support office. Or they could try to reach out direct to us. We do do quite a bit with local distributors, where it's a good place for those type of products to go. So there's, I think, from your side of the state, you know, Happy Dirt. We also have P10 is a great local distributor, Blue Mountain, you know, Fresh Point actually also does some local with their produce. So it's a little tougher on the jams and the jellies and the barbecue sauces and the salsas to go direct. I mean, we will sometimes, but it's great to get into a small distributor is a great start.
0: Do I have a product liability insurance situation? Let's say my barbecue sauce tastes fabulous. What do I need to be able to make the final step?
2: Well, you need your certifications, you know, for value added. You know, USDA, North Carolina, you need insurance. It's usually a minimum liability of like half a million dollars, which sounds like a lot, but it's not that expensive. You know, how you're going to keep it in the cold chain if it's a refrigerated product is is important. You know, really run a performer, your financials, so you understand all your costs, you know, from distribution to trucking to waste, all those things. And, And we can help with that, and we like to.
1: Your local growers, obviously, do, do, do you source a good majority of your product locally? I mean, tw- 12 well, stores, like I think, that's a lot stuff. That's a lot of produce.
2: Yeah, we like to source as much locally as possible. You know, it's, obviously, it's seasonal, you know that, and uh, we sometimes need quite a bit, <laughs> you know. But, you know, we help grow up new sprouts to the big company they are today. You know, we do a lot of local sprouts year-round apples in season sweet potatoes are obviously big in north carolina we love the local sweet potatoes we got an awesome price they're not organic but it's it's a staple so we see a lot more of that happening we just did a good uh, partnership in the charlotte area with the uh, cotton hill Farms. so so we see it happen a lot more obviously not north carolina but watsonville you know there's some good areas in south carolina we would like as much produce locally as we can handle
0: in the future what what are areas produce and areas for the store as well that are a neat area and something that you have to get a little further away than you'd like to that might be an opportunity for farmers
2: you know at earth fair obviously we're focused on the healthy consumer and educating around health so you know leafy dark greens are really big and they grow well here i think the other thing is The hydroponics, you know, is now becoming pretty big and local. Um, And then the other thing we're seeing a lot of is kind of the specialty items, like mushrooms are really hot right now in the industry. So we've been searching for more local mushrooms. We just got a really good vendor up in Boone. We have one in Greenville. So that's another niche that's really great right now.
0: Well, when you say, by the way, Greenville, you mean Greenville, South Carolina, right?
2: I do. I do. Yeah, all right. yeah that's where we have a store. A fence taken. We used to have some stores in the Triangle before the previous ownership went bankrupt, but we haven't opened a new one up there yet.
0: I, how far do you go east? Do you go to Winston-Salem? would,
2: would be Charlotte um, and then Charles, you know, Charleston and South Carolina.
0: Let's take Harris Teeter for example. I mean, their their network is there is basically based on sort of their trucking network. earthfare must operate a little bit differently, given the fact that your stores are geographically so much further apart.
2: We do, and we also don't self distribute our produce. You know, a lot of the the bigger players do. We have two major produce wholesalers distributors that we use, and uh, ones right out of the border of North Carolina, South Carolina, and the other one's a little more north. And then we fill in with local produce distributors. So, yeah, ours is a little more complicated. We, we don't have our own distribution warehouse. Someday I, we will. I'm just curious, by the way,
0: what floats your boat about this industry? Obviously, you spent a lifetime in it. Your resume reads of nearly every supernatural – by the way, that's my <laughs> phrase I'm going to take out of this conversation. Every supernatural grocer within sure. this space – what was the appeal, and uh, why the continuing challenge?
2: Well, I love food. I mean, it kind of starts there. It's kind of taste great. That's kind of where I grew up in the industry, but I also like the business side. When I was like 20, 21, like I was having some stomach issues, and I kind of changed my diet. I went natural. I went macro. I went vegan, all those things, and it really helped my health. I don't eat that way today. I'm more a social omnivore, but it kind of got me going. And I'm also an environmentalist and, you know, really want to do the right thing for the planet and for people's health. Just loving food.
1: I like food as well. I I will have to say. (laughs) Everyone does. uh, Yeah. I I, I love meat, but I like some vegetables to go with my meat. So do you have a meat department or is is it all produce?
2: Oh, No. You know, Earth Fair is kind of like a smaller Whole food, but we make more stuff. We uh, probably sell the most grass-fed beef in the industry, and we sell Hickory Nut Gap meat, which is right here out of Asheville, where they're one of their biggest customers, and we've been with them over 20 years. So. Yeah, we have an excellent meat department. We still cut our own meat. We have butchers, and it's a great crossover with produce.
0: Other than beef, I'm sure uh, poultry, lamb. How far does the, uh, how far does it go, and is it most sourced local?
2: We get our most of our chicken out of Springer Mountain, so you know, a couple hours from here. And then the other, the organic chicken comes from Farmers Focus, is based in Appalachia, a couple hours. So that's great too. We have a grass fed beef program um, that comes out of New Zealand actually, um, because it's a value price, and then we supplement it, you know, with local meat programs.
0: Do you get lamb out of New Zealand too?
2: Uh, Lamb's a little trickier. We used to have a local lamb, but they went out of business, and it was hard for him to grow in the right size. So so we do have a we have a domestic program, but it's West Coast, and then uh, we do some New Zealand. I never heard my favorite protein mentioned. Which one? Pork. Yeah. The well, pork is standard, so no gestation cages, you may certify no antibiotics. So the pork comes from, uh, mostly like, you know, the Iowa uh, region. But we do get some Hickory Nut Gap pasture raised pork, which is great stuff. I don't, I don't know if you've ever been up here into their, they have a farm where they do agritourism
0: agritourism, more and more thing. Hey, by the way, can you answer this? Can you answer the question as to why tri-tip is only a California thing?
2: You know, that's funny you bring that up. Is I worked out in Colorado, and we used to do the tri-tip in the smoker, and it's awesome. I don't know why it's a West Coast. <laughs> to tell you the Do truth. you know? I, I went to a natural. It's like fo- London oils and East Coast kind of thing. Yeah, no one knows about it in the West Coast. So, yeah. like it's just certain areas.
0: I, I literally was at a, an independent grocer in California, and I said, "Hey, give me something I wouldn't have in the East Coast." And they said, "Oh, you have to have tri-tip." And I said, "What the heck is that?" And they said, "Oh, ninety-five uh, percent right. you know, of all cows uh, butchered, all the tri-tip comes to California." I went, "Get out of town!" I mean, this is the this is twenty fifteen. This is not possible. Yeah. I looked it up, and it's true. I'm like, what? Try
2: it in a smoker. It's great. Anything that we have not asked
0: you, uh, you'd like to make a comment on or something we may not know?
2: I guess I would end it with, you know, Earth Fair. We, We really try to support the local farmers, have them reach out to us. You know, the other piece is, if I wasn't clear, you know, we really local and then organic. We pretty much have the most organic selection in the country. But where we like to supplement that is definitely with the locals. So that, that's big with Earth Earthfair has a saying we read the labels so you don't have to.
0: Mitch Orland, thanks for joining us. I look forward to uh, maybe when we're in the western part of the state, stopping in.
2: Please do and go eat some local vegetables
0: and pork. Coming up in just a moment, more agriculture in North Carolina. On Talk ninety six three and one zero three seven. This is Ag and NC on Talk ninety six three and one zero three seven. I'm Dan Miller. Congrats to Kenny Barnhill on winning the American Fruit Grower Magazine's National Apple Grower of the Year award. The Edneyville, North Carolina grower didn't have apple growing in his sights when he left for college, but the legacy of the family won out. He is the fifth generation apple farmer. U.S. Apple's CEO Jim Blair says Kenny deserves the recognition. We've watched him firsthand as he advocates for the national apple industry, from the Oval Office to the Secretary of Agriculture, right down to the state and local officials. Congratulations to yet another North Carolina ag man making an impact on the national stage. Taking a look at commodity prices from last week, traders anticipating a summer decline in fed cattle prices actively sold cattle futures late in the week. Nearby August cattle slid to 180.02, while August feeder futures rallied a bit to 245.92 and a half. Those closing prices represented weekly losses of $0.15 cents and $0.72, cents respectively. August lean hog futures rose to 167 Prices hit a four-month high early Friday. It was another good week for lean hog future bulls. Gaining nearly $5 and including Friday's technically bullish weekly high close, that sets the table for some more price gains early this week. In-state, North Carolina's egg prices were steady in all sizes when compared to the last week. North Carolina weighted average price quoted Thursday, July the 20th for small lot sales of delivered carton grade A eggs was $145.18 for extra large, $132.30 for large, $122.09 for medium, and $84 for small eggs. Number two yellow shell corn was mixed 50 cents lower to 26 cents higher when compared to the prior week. Prices ranged mostly 561 to 613 at the feed mills, 584 to 684 at the elevators through Thursday, July the 20th. Number one yellow soybeans were 10 to 43 cents higher, ranged 1553 to 1570 at the processors, mostly 1421 to 1505 at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat was 22 cents to 37 cents higher, ranged 541 to 573 at the elevators. Soybean meal FOB at processing plants ranged 483.80 to 503.80 per ton for 46.5 to 48 percent protein. New crop prices quoted for harvest delivery, corn ranged 526 to 635. And soybeans were 1330 to 1404. And that's this week's agriculture in North Carolina. Remember, if you missed the program on the broadcast, subscribe to Spotify or Apple Podcasts. The latest show will be right there on your smart device when you have a minute. Note too sometimes for radio, we have to cut for time, and a longer version is available as a podcast. Find out more by heading to our website, agnc. There, you'll find links to our sponsors ag carolina farm credit first choice insurance partners syngenta global and the north carolina department of agriculture and consumer services got to bnc agriculture in north carolina copyright 2023 interbanks media for jeff turner and myself dan miller make it a great week